Welcome to Bakersfield First Assembly of God's podcast. We are so excited that you joined us today. Our lead pastor, Pastor James Lair, is fired up and ready to preach. I hope you enjoy this sermon. Yesterday, Julian and I drove about three hours to Ojai, California, where we pastored for 17 years. Our dear friends followed us as senior pastors, and his son had gotten married, so it was a reception. So we drove three hours to Ojai, spent about three hours there, and drove three hours home, all in one day. So that was pretty exhausting, pretty tiring, and when we arrived home, we noticed there was an envelope stuck in our front door. And so I opened the envelope, and it says, from your friend across the street, a little eight, nine-year-old girl that lives across the street, and occasionally she'll leave us envelopes when we're gone. At least we know she's watching the house. We're happy about that. But I opened this little envelope, and I was so impressed by this. Look at the things she said to us, to Jolene and me. Stay happy, stay happy always. That sounds like good advice, right? She drew it in a little circle here, so... You are amazing and don't let anyone tell you otherwise. (laughs) And she wrote, don't let anything bring you down. And then, let your true self speak out. And then she colored a little patch here that says, you're perfect no matter what. Isn't that incredible? I mean, I'm telling you what. This is some good parenting right here. This is really good parenting. And this little girl is going to go places with such a positive attitude and such an encouraging heart. And so I got to be honest with you, after being gone for nine hours, this was good for my soul. It was refreshing. And I'm going to have to tell her parents, you're doing a great job. We're, We're almost to the end of this series, Well With Our Soul. And we saw how water wells figure prominently in the Bible. They were a source of life, literally a source of life. But it also symbolized refreshing and times of encounters with God that were very special. And what we have been emphasizing is that no matter what's going on in your life, good, bad, or ugly, sounds like a great movie, whatever's going on in your life, it can still be well with your soul. And I really believe God wants us to live in peace. He wants us to have that peace of mind, peace of heart. And yet we struggle so much, we allow the negativity, the difficulty, the trials on the outside affect our inner peace, affect us on the inside. And so we've been studying this series of Well With Our Soul. I hope that you're taking these principles and thinking about them and trying to work them into your life because the Bible can help us learn how to live better. The Bible teaches us how to have joy and peace, unspeakable and full of glory. And so this is our our roadmap for life if we'll only read it and study it. And so I shared with you a few principles last week. I'm going to finish up with a few principles this week as well. We know the story. The disciples had gone into town to buy food and Jesus was at a water well. And a woman with a real bad reputation showed up at high noon. And she was there and Jesus engaged her and he talked to her and He offered her living water so that she would never thirst for the things of the world again. See, she had thirsted for the world and it had left her empty. And so Jesus offered that living water and she received it and she believed it, that he was the Messiah. And she left her water jar behind and she ran into town and she said, come see the man who told me everything I ever did. Now, some people are like, I ain't going out there. I don't want anybody 
knowing everything I ever did. But a crowd did start coming out because she was so passionate about how Jesus had changed her life. She saw the Messiah. And this is where we left off in our story at John chapter 4, verse 31 through 34. Meanwhile, the disciples were urging Jesus, Rabbi, eat something. But Jesus replied, I have a kind of food you know nothing about. Did someone bring him food while we were gone? The disciples asked each other. Then Jesus explained, my nourishment comes from doing the will of God who sent me and from finishing his work. Let's review the first four points we discussed last week. As we mentioned, the disciples of Jesus had gone into town and buy food. And when they returned, they tried to get Jesus to eat something. Isn't that funny that the disciples are trying to tell the Son of God to do something? It's like they're trying to be his mother. You know, your mother, when you were little, brush your teeth, wash your hands. Boy, mom was right about washing the hands thing, right? I'm telling you what. And so they're trying to tell Jesus what to do and, you know, that he needs to eat some food. But he, he said, you know, I, didn't, I don't need a bite of food. I, I wanted to offer living water. And so often the disciples of Jesus weren't on the same page with him. They weren't tracking with him. They weren't on the same wavelength with Jesus. And so for it to be well with our soul, we must, number one, be in step with Jesus. You, you got to walk with Jesus. You got to follow his, his principles, his teachings. You got to track with the Lord. But sometimes we're not in sync with God. And what God is doing in our life, we don't understand and we get frustrated and and yet Jesus had reminded the disciples of the miracles they had seen. Jesus had fed 4,000 and then he had fed 5,000. So he fed over 10,000 people and yet the disciples were still worried about food. They're still trying to get Jesus to eat. They, didn't, you know, they should have known by now that Jesus can bring bread out of anything. He, he doesn't need those kinds of things. And so Jesus challenged them and called them, Oh, you of little faith. Because even though they had seen so many miracles, the dead were raised, the eyes of the blind were opened, the lame were walking, all these incredible miracles, and yet they still struggled in their faith. And so for it to be well with our soul, we must have faith in Jesus. And I know that's a simple principle, but it's the most challenging thing to live out in our Christian life, is to trust God in all circumstances. Not to freak out. I mean, we forget the miracle of yesterday that God came through for us. We forget about the, the prayers he's answered because now it's a new problem and we have new fear and new worry over our new problem. And yet, how many know Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever? It may be a new problem, but it's the same God that can overcome it. And so we have to have that faith. We have to remember the miracles. I mean, Jesus is with us. Whom shall we fear? And so the disciples were focused on the physical realm, on, on physical food, and, and Jesus was fixed upon another food altogether. Jesus had a type of food the disciples knew nothing of, because there is a lot that God knows that we do not know. God does not think like we do. His thoughts are not our thoughts, and his ways are not our ways. They're so much higher. They're so much different than ours. God will never think like we do. However, is it possible for us to begin to think like God does? I think to a certain extent, yes. We need to think like the Lord. And so the scriptures challenge us, number three, to have the mind of Christ. We should 
study God's word to learn the mind of Christ. So we begin to change the way we think. So much of our challenges in life are because we're thinking the wrong way and thinking the wrong things. We need to think like Jesus. We need to live like Jesus. And we can learn God's ways. Over and over again in the Bible, it tells us, challenges us to learn his ways. For example, Psalms 86, 11, The psalmist says, Teach me your way, O Lord, and I will walk in your truth. Give me an undivided heart that I might fear your name. Boy, that's powerful right there. We can ask God, teach us. Teach us your ways. And, he, and that's why he has given us the Bible. The Bible is a roadmap for life. It's a guidebook for life. And if you want to begin to change the way you think, then read God's word. Study God's word. And we will learn his ways. And we will have the mind of Christ. But even still, in this life, on this earth, we will never fully know everything. We won't know until we meet Jesus face to face. His ways and his thoughts will always be higher than ours, always been greater than ours. And so we need to accept the fact that we're not going to have all the answers in this life. We're not going to understand why these things happened to me. Why was I raised in this family? Why did I go through that experience? Why did I go through that terrible loss? We won't have the answers in this life. And so for it to go well with our soul, number four, we have to accept we don't know. We don't know everything. We don't know certain things. Job said some things are just too wonderful for us to know. We cannot comprehend it with our human mind at this stage. Someday we will know everything. But for now, we must accept that we may not know. We may never know in this life why certain things have happened. But when we trust, instead of demand answers, it will go well with our soul. And this is where we left off last week. And so the disciples tried to get Jesus to eat, and he says, my nourishment comes from doing the will of God who sent me. Our spiritual food, our nourishment, our sustenance comes from two things. First of all, it comes from doing the will of God. So number five, for it to be well with our soul, we have to do the will of God. When you, before you were a Christian, you did what you wanted to do. You did your own thing. It was your life. But now that you've come to Christ, you surrendered all. I mean, that's the price. Let's not, let's not water it down. You want to serve Jesus, you got to give up everything. You got to be willing to, to sacrifice all, to leave all, to surrender all. We, we got to be willing to do this. He deserves all of us. And so when we came to Christ, we surrendered our will to his will. We gave up our demands, our desires, our dreams, and we gave it to him. And, and if you will follow God's will, you'll find that his will is so much better than yours. It works out so much. He has much better dreams, much better desires for us. We are still hungry and thirsty and weary and worn because we're not fulfilling the will of God in our life. Every one of us has a purpose. Every one of us has a plan. Every one of us has a calling. Now, doing the will of God is what satisfies. A lot of times we think if we do what we want, we'll be happy. And there, there are people that try that. They, they do what they want. They become incredibly selfish and self-centered demanding their own way. And guess what? It doesn't make them happier. It makes them miserable to live with. 
But when we do the will of God, it satisfies our soul. Now, the soul consists of the mind, the will, and the emotions. So we talk a lot about the mind, the way we think, and we talk a lot about the way we feel. But a lot of times we don't deal with the will. The will, our will has not been fully surrendered to God. But when we surrender our will to the Lord, it goes well with our soul. But when we try to force our will over God's, when we try to make something happen. I mean, you know, we, there are times we want something so bad that if God doesn't do it, we're going to do it ourselves. We're going to try to make it happen. Have you ever prayed that prayer? God, however this works out, I'm going to praise you. Your will be done. I, Lord, if it's a yes, that's great. If it's a no, and then it doesn't work out and we freak, freak out and get angry and upset at God and discouraged. We find peace when we let it go and let God. When we let God work. This is a part of our soul that we're struggling with. It's our will. There are certain things we want there are certain things we desire, and, and it's our will that is getting in the way because we need to surrender our will to God's will. It's so much better anyway. But there's so much of our Christian journey that requires us to stop trying to control everything. I'm a control freak. I admit it. I confess it. I'm here to admit it. I want to control my life because I, I think if, I can, if, it, if it's done my way, it's going to be... Good, it's going to make me happy, right? How many know if it's done your way, it may not make some, uh, someone else happy, right? We don't have the right to, to rob someone else's happiness. And so there's so much that we have to release control of. Worrying is an attempt to control it on your own and fix it on your own. It really is a sign that you are trying to make this happen and you're going to worry yourself to death. How many you know worrying never solved any problem, never worked anything out, only made it worse? And so at those, when you feel that worry, that fear begin to crawl up your spine, that anxiety begin to tighten in your chest, it's a time when we need to surrender and say, Lord, your will be done. I can't fix this. I can't figure this out. And so I surrender. You know, Jesus said, the disciples said, teach us how to pray. And one of the first things Jesus said, we're to pray that may your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That should be our daily prayer for your life. Lord, may your will be for my life today as it is in heaven. A daily surrender of our will to God's will. And Jesus set that example. Look at John 6, 38. Jesus said, for I have come down from heaven not to do my will, but to do the will of him who sent me. Even Jesus, the son of God, said, you know what? I'm going to show you an example. I didn't even come to do my will. I've come to do the will of the Father. That's an example to us. As believers, we have been placed on this planet to do the will of God. And doing the will of God is not always easy, is it? Often it's the hardest thing to do. But when we surrender our will to God, it is fulfilling. Sometimes there's a high price to be paid to do the will of God. Jesus understood that. Before his crucifixion, Jesus prayed passionately in the Garden of Gethsemane. It says his soul was overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. 
That's depression. That is discouragement. Jesus, he was human, and so he understands our emotions. And he was so burdened with sorrow that that it affected him physically. He sweat drops of blood. That's agony. He was in such turmoil. His soul was overwhelmed because he knew what doing the will of God was going to cost him. He was going to the cross. And it's not that Jesus was afraid to die. That's not why he said, take this cup from me. He was going to take on the sins of the world, past, present, and future. And for the first time ever, he was going to experience separation from his father. That's why he said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Because Jesus became that spotless lamb that was sacrificed. So can you imagine taking on the sins of the world, past, present, and future? It wasn't the physical agony that Jesus was struggling with. It was that spiritual agony and onslaught. And so Jesus went to the garden and he asked his disciples to pray with him, but they fell asleep. And so this is what Jesus prayed in Matthew 26, 39. Going a little farther, he fell with his face to the ground and prayed, My Father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me. Yet, not as I will, but as you will. I want you to understand that if you're in a trial, it's okay to ask God to take it from you. Jesus did. There's nothing wrong with that request as long as you can say, Yet, not my will but yours be done. I want to tell you the difference. When you have reached a depth with the Lord, you can say yet. Before, when we're just not mature in the Lord, we want our will, we want our way. And when we say, God, I want out of this trial, I want out of this problem, and we can't say the yet, yet. But when we grow in the Lord and we get to a place where we can say, Lord, I ask you to remove this problem, this trial, this sickness, this disease, whatever it may be, I ask you to remove it, yet not my will, but yours be done. When we can reach that place, that is a milestone in our walk with God. And so Jesus prayed a second time, Matthew 26, 42. Same prayer, but a little different way. He went away a second time and prayed, my father, if it is not possible for this cup to be taken away unless I drink it, May your will be done. The first time he says, if it is possible, take this cup from me. The second time he said, if it is not possible to take this cup, then I accept your will. Jesus knew the suffering that awaited him, but he was still willing to go through with it anyway. Are we willing to do the will of God no matter what? Because sometimes the will of God leads to a cruel cross. Do we really want God's will? Are we able to say with sincerity, God, I want your will no matter what it costs me, no matter what it requires of me, I want your will more than my own. We we need to come to that place. And Jesus put it in a, a powerful picture. He said, take this cup from me. If it be your will. But you know what? Jesus drank the cup. Are we willing to drink the cup? Because number six, 
That's what requires for us to be well with our soul. We got to be willing to drink the cup. We got to be willing to receive whatever God gives us, whatever comes our way, because we have surrendered to the Lord. We want his will. And so at times he will give us a cup. And sometimes it's a cup of suffering. But other times it's a cup of blessing. And many times you will not know until you drink the cup, whether it's a cup of suffering or a cup of blessing. You will not know which it is. But are you willing to drink the cup, even if it's the cup of suffering? When I was in junior high, we lived just across the street from the school in Yarrington, Nevada. And so I was able to go home for lunch sometimes. Things have changed these days. I mean, my goodness. You want to get off campus, you need like 19 passes and blood type and birth certificate and, you know, doctor's note. I mean, it's, but back then I could just, lunchtime, I'd go home. And my dad worked at a mine a few miles away in Weed Heights, Nevada, and he could come home for lunch. And so often dad and I would come home for lunch. Of course, mom would make lunch. And so I remember one day in particular, I was, I was so thirsty. I think I'd just finished PE and I was so thirsty and I ran home, and there on the table were two cold glasses, glasses of milk. Just, oh, and so I grabbed one of those glasses of milk, and I began to chug that thing down. I was so thirsty. And about halfway, I realized, this is not milk. It's buttermilk, which is the biggest misnomer in the world. It does not taste like butter. I know. I eat butter. I like butter. I used to make butter sandwiches. That is not butter in that milk. And I'm gagging and, oh, man. I, some of y'all like buttermilk. This is for my dad. My dad was drinking buttermilk. I was drinking regular milk. But I couldn't tell. I couldn't tell until I drank the cup. Now, y'all that drink that buttermilk, I don't know. Maybe it's an acquired taste. But I'm telling you, it tastes like baby barf. And I know, and, and there's a reason I know why. But that's another story. Some of you heard that story. I'll save it for another time. But it tastes like baby barf. And if you can acquire a baby barf taste, go for it. <laughs> I, I shared that in first service, and I had a few people tell me, I like buttermilk. I said, more power to you. <laughs> Sometimes we drink the cup of refreshing milk. Other times we drink the cup of revolting buttermilk. <laughs> Life brings us both, doesn't it? It does. Jesus said it rains on the just and the unjust. We must be unjust because we're not getting much rain. In other words, Jesus was saying good things happen to bad people and bad things happen to good people. Just because something bad happened to you does not make you bad. That's what Job's friends were trying to convince him. You must have done something wrong, Job, for all these bad things to happen to you. And, and God showed up and put them straight. The reality is, is good things happen to bad people and bad things happen to good people. It's life. There's the cup of suffering, but there's the cup of blessing. And so I want you to understand, if you have drank of the cup of suffering, God also wants to give you a cup of blessing. In fact, many times the way you get to the cup of blessing is through the cup of suffering. That's what happened with Jesus. The Bible says he was able to endure the cross because of the joy set before him. How in the world did Jesus go through all of that torture? Because he knew the joy that awaited him. And the Bible says that he was obedient even unto death. 
And then he rose from the dead and he was exalted to the highest place. You see, we can endure the suffering because we know there's a cup of blessing coming. Life is not just all suffering, aren't you glad? In fact, the good that God gives far outweighs the bad that the world gives. So much more good has happened in our lives than bad. We should see that. Jesus was willing to drink the cup. But look at the cup of blessing described in Psalms chapter 16, verse 5 and 6. I want you to claim this for your life. Lord, you have assigned me my portion and my cup. You have made my lot secure. The boundary lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Surely I have a delightful inheritance. Now we may not see all that yet, but if you're faithful and you serve God, like many of those here into their 70s and 80s and, and beyond, they can look back and see that God has made their lot secure. That the boundary lines have fallen for them in pleasant places. Because they have drank the cup of suffering, but they're also able to drink the cup of blessing. I want you to understand that God has assigned your portion. God has decided. God has appointed your cup. And though there is suffering, there will be a delightful inheritance. It's coming. you got to believe it. you got to hold on. you got to have hope. We always have to believe that it's going to get better. There's no benefit of believing it's going to get worse. Believe it's going to get better. But what if it gets worse? Well, at least you enjoyed it for the meantime and said we're miserable the whole time. And I believe we have to have that faith that if we're drinking the cup of suffering right now, we're believing there's a cup of blessing coming too. Because God is faithful. He gives good gifts to his children. And so Jesus was able to drink the cup of suffering because he knew the joy that waited him on the other side. The same is true for us. We can drink the cup. We can endure the suffering because there's joy that's waiting for us. Jesus said his nourishment came from doing the will of God and from finishing his work. And so number seven, if we want it to go well with our soul, we must finish God's work. There's something for us to do. You're still alive. for As long as you're taking breath, you have purpose. You have a calling. You have a mission. And so we're here to finish the work that God started. He is the author and finisher of our faith, but he will work through us. And this is how we find nourishment. This is how we find fulfillment. This is why Jesus said, I don't need human food because I am going to finish God's work. That's what feeds me. We finish the work God has given us to do. That's how we find that food that satisfies. And when we do the work God has called us to, something happens. Look at John 17, 4. Jesus said, I have brought you glory on earth by completing the work you gave me to do. He was praying to his father and he said, you know what? By completing your work, I have brought you glory. The last point I want to share today is this. For it to be well with our souls, we've got, to, we've got to bring God glory. We've got to bring glory to his name. 
Our goal in life should to bring glory to God, not glory to ourselves, not glory to any human being, not any person, no. We don't, we don't keep the glory to ourselves. We don't wanna be like King Herod when they, they were worshiping him like a god and he was loving it, he was soaking it up and the Bible says then he was filled with worms and died. Boy, what a way to go. You became trout food, full of worms. And so we don't touch God's glory. We give the glory to God. We live our lives to bring glory to God. And how do we do that? How do we, how do we bring glory to God? I'm glad you asked. John 15, 8, but God's word has an answer. New Living Translation. When you produce much fruit, you are my true disciples. This brings great glory to my Father. How do you bring glory to God? By producing fruit. What fruit? The fruit of the Spirit. Love. Joy. Peace, patience, kindness. How I many you know when, when we're kind, we bring glory to God? We don't, when we don't treat people poorly, when we're not jerks, we bring glory to God. Kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. We produce this fruit, it brings glory to God. And also when we bring people to Christ, it brings glory to God. That's the fruit that he is looking for. And so I just want to review this with you. You want your soul to be at peace, your heart to be at peace. Then do God's will. There's no better thing to, than to be in the will of God. People often ask me, how, how, do, how do Julian and I handle it with our children being so far away in such a dangerous place? They're in the will of God. It's the best place for them to be. They're safer in the will of God halfway around the world than here in America, out of the will of God. The will of God brings assurance, it brings peace. Even if you're in a dangerous place, which they will be, you want, you want God's peace? Then drink the cup, even the cup of suffering. Now we shouldn't go out and create suffering for ourselves, don't do that, don't be masochistic, don't be self-inflicted. I mean, there's enough problems in the world, stop making it worse. But if there is a cup, then you can drink it knowing that God has a purpose. Finish God's work. He started something in you. Let him finish it. And finally, bring God glory. Bring God glory in the, the fruit of your life. Would you bow your heads with me and close your eyes? I want to challenge you today. If you have never given your heart to Jesus Christ. Today is the day of salvation. You may not have tomorrow. I'm not trying to scare you. It's the facts of life. You don't know how many funerals I've done for young people who thought they would live forever. And so, if you haven't accepted Christ, if you haven't surrendered your will to God's will, today is the day. And I'm telling you, he'll forgive every sin you've ever done. He'll give you a purpose in life. Whatever you give up, he'll give back more and shaking together and running over. So I challenge you today, if, if you've never accepted Christ, or maybe you did, but you know you've walked away and you want to get right with God, today is the day. So if you're here today and you want to accept Christ, or you want to get back with God, would you just slip up your hand? Anyone in this place, you know you need to be ready to meet God. Yes. Anyone else? This is important. This is critical. Anyone else? want to get, invite Christ in their heart. Amen. 
anyone else. You want to come to Christ, give God a chance at your life. But you got to surrender all. I'm going to ask those that are believers if you would join with me in prayer because there are people that raised their hands. And if you raised your hand, I want you to repeat this prayer after me. And you won't be alone. Other Christians will be praying with you. So if you want to accept Christ or you want to come back to the Lord, please repeat these words after me. Dear Jesus, I believe. I believe you're the Son of God. I believe you died on the cross for my sins. And I believe you rose from the dead and are coming again. Dear Jesus, I receive. I receive you into my life. I receive your forgiveness. I receive a new call on my life. And I receive eternal life. In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed that prayer, there's a card that you can fill out. It's in front of you that says you prayed that prayer today. Please fill that out and drop it in the boxes as you leave because we want to follow up with you and help you on your new journey. Or if you're tuning in today, please text the word born again to 94090. 94090. One word, born again, so we can follow up with you as well. Would you stand with me for the blessing? The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. You're free to go. You're free to come to the altars. You're free to worship. God bless you. Have a blessed week. Do the will of God for your life. Amen. Thank you for tuning in today. We are so excited that you joined us. If you chose to say yes to Christ today, we would love for you to text the word born again, all one word to 94090. By doing so, you will receive more information on your next steps in following Christ. We meet every Sunday at 8.30 and 11 a.m. right here in Bakersfield, California at 4901 California Avenue. We would love for you to join us in person. Also, we have a live stream service at 11 a.m. every Sunday morning. You can find us on YouTube and Facebook. If you'd like more information about Bakersfield First Assembly of God, you can search us on the internet at bakersfieldfirst.com. Thank you for joining us today and have a blessed week.